Well, I trust that as we continue to look at this, uh, this series, we're, we're halfway through, I suppose, number five of a ten-part uh, series, looking at the big picture. And uh, this week, we're, uh, we're looking at the atonement, having uh, had uh, last week, uh, we, we looked at incarnation, and uh, Jesus came. And this week, I guess, we, we continue. There's an overlap. Of course, there's an overlap with uh, Jesus coming and here, what Jesus came to do. And uh, just encourage you as we uh, reflect together on these words that um, you would just really be able to respond to what Jesus has done for you, for me, for us this morning. And uh, you you should find, if, if if you find it helpful, and please use it. On the back of uh, the, 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 the scripture readings, there's, um, there's a, a little bit of an outline of where we're going this morning. And uh, I think I've said before, I'm just testing this out really to see whether it's helpful to people to have a little bit of a, a kind of a, a picture of where we're going during the course of our, 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 our sermons. And uh, also might even be a, a help to kind of stick them in your Bible or stick them in a folder and uh, remember some of the stuff that we've looked at. And uh, so, yeah, by all means, use that. There's actually some pencils at the front here. If anyone wants to scribble something and didn't bring a, a pen or a pencil, then uh, they're there. And I'll, I'll leave them there so that people can uh, grab them uh, discreetly if they want to. So we're going to look this morning at the atonement. Sort of sounds a very strange word. A word that is not one that we use that often in our language kind of sounds to me a little bit like a, a word that a teenage band might use, kind of the atonement, something like that. But it's, it's an incredibly important word because of what it means. And I guess the first thing to do with so much of, of, of what we, we have in, in, uh, in our faith is just make sure that we make it understandable, make the words that we use understandable and, and maybe don't even always use those words. But the atonement is a really important word. I guess the Oxford English Dictionary, they, they, they see the atonement in very broad terms as making amends for a wrong or an injury. That's a kind of a broad thing. But, but this series on the big picture, we're, we're looking at the world in a Christian perspective. We're trying to take a Christian worldview on on. On, on all sorts of parts of, of, of our world and our belief. And, and the atonement is kind of central. So it's good that it's right in the middle, too. I wonder if a, a more Christian understanding of the atonement is this. That it's the work that Jesus Christ did in his life and death to earn our salvation. I think it was Thomas said that Jesus died to save us. And that's very much at the heart of the atonement. It's the work that Jesus Christ did in his life and death to earn our salvation. And it's right at the heart of our Christian faith that believes that God has taken the initiative in Jesus to rescue us from our sins. Loads of scriptures that, that speak of this fact that Jesus came to save us. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 says this, Here is a trustworthy saying 
that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Luke 19, verse 10, says simply this, Jesus said, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came to seek and to save what was lost. That's the heart of the atonement, that we would be saved from our sin. And there's a question on there, why, why on all the earth was it necessary? Well, actually, if you were God, I don't suppose it was necessary, because he didn't have to. He didn't have to come and save us. But when we look at it from God's perspective, it was necessary actually because of who God is. Because of God's character, the atonement was necessary. And particularly in his character, there is love and there is justice. And so in answer to that question, why is the atonement necessary? Let's not run straight away to to us, but actually let's think about God, first of all. Because it's because of God's love and God's justice that the atonement was necessary. Perhaps one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. His love motivated the atonement. But his justice too motivated the atonement. It was necessary because of his justice. Romans 3.25 says this. In fact, I'm going to read from verse 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And here's the bit. God presented him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand in the Old Testament before Jesus came unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith. See, sin, our sin, that's where we come in, our sin is abhorrent to God. And it cannot go unpunished. But for his love and his justice, he took it upon himself to come and save us from our sin. That's why it was necessary, because God is love and God is just. And we messed up and he responded. 
Now, I just I put on that, that little sheet that there are maybe some alternative responses to this. I read a, a little introduction to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where um, Douglas Adams um, tries to kind of think of a different response to someone being nailed to a tree, and it's kind of flippant and humorous, but I think many people think, oh, it's a bit extreme. Somebody being killed? And yet, I think it would be fair to say that if you ask most people or you're in conversation with most people, there would be a sense that our world could, maybe even should, be a good and happy place. They may instinctively feel that it should be better or happier than it actually is. And through the centuries, people have looked for for different solutions to to that sense that "Mm, all is not quite as it should be. All is not quite as the world could be. I guess in relatively recent times, in our, our kind of liberalism, we thought, well, maybe education will help us to sort out the world's problems. Early part of the 20th century, Marxism suggested maybe revolution would sort out the world's problems. There are many who who have a kind of an ethical framework that, that suggests that a kind of a moral framework will sort out the world's problems. There are some religions that might suggest all kinds of escapism that would help us to sort out the world's problems. We might think that science or technology hold the key to making the world a better and happier place. And actually, to be fair, all of those things have, have, have something to be said for, most of them anyway. Most of them have, have something to contribute to our world. Education, I'm sure, is vital for us. Science and technology has brought us so much. But none of those things get to the heart of the problem. None of the alternatives that that humankind has tried to work through has, has ever got to the heart of the problem. Because our problem is relational. Fundamentally, it's about relationship. And fundamentally, it's about our relationship with God, which is broken. We're alienated from God. And our conflict with others springs forth out of that. And the only solution is God's solution, the cross. I guess it, in so many ways it's, a, it's an object that is either kind of benign to people, it's a bit of jewellery or something, or something you see on a church building, or actually it's quite offensive. People look at it and think, oh, but that's, that's kind of... That's violent and gruesome and horrible. And we need to keep it clean. This is a nice clean cross. That's okay. They want to detach themselves from the horror of it. I know that the film The Passion of the Christ will not be everybody's cup of tea, but it kind of desanitizes what went on at the cross. People might say, well, is it? Was it? really necessary? Surely we can't just be nicer to one another. Surely we could just do that without all this kind of stuff going on. 
but it was necessary. And as Jesus, much as he wanted to avoid it, towards the end of Matthew's Gospel, as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's there on his knees and he's saying, Father, if there's another way to take this cup from me, please take it from me. But Jesus knew there was no other way. And so he said, not my will, but yours. He'd already said to his disciples in Matthew 20, 28, that he'd come to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew that the cross was unavoidable. And his whole life was focused on that. So I want us to to see that there are things that, that others will contribute to making our world a better place, of course, but there is nothing but the blood of Jesus shed on the cross that will actually fix what is fundamentally broken in our world. And so as we think about a Christian worldview. I wanted us just to see ten things, really, as quick as we can. Um, I'm always kind of daunted by a list of ten things, but it does mean that each one will be quite small and short. So let's hope that they're fairly short this morning. But the, the atonement shows us ten things that actually are really helpful for us to, to just reflect upon. And maybe you can take these through the week and just just look at each one and maybe dwell on one each day. And then you'll go into the next week because there's only seven days, so you'd have to do kind of a few next week. But anyway, reflect on them. Number one, the atonement shows us just how serious our sin is. I heard somebody speaking this week, I think it was in the Christianity Explored course, um, on the, the DVD that we use, where, where sin is, is sometimes sort of seen in, in our culture as something a bit naughty, a bit, a bit kind of, you know, something that adults ought to, to be allowed to do. You know, it's kind of all softened and made nice. But sin is serious. Just think about it. God, perfect. He came as a man, lived a life full of love full of goodness, desiring to draw us to him, our creator. And what did we do? We're so twisted that we thought, no, we'll kill him. We'll nail him to a cross. Maybe he he highlights our inadequacy and we think, well, the only way to, to deal with that is to run away from it. How twisted have we become because of our sin? In medical terms, I guess you could say that for most ailments, you know, you you might have a bit of a headache and you say, well, okay, take an aspirin, that will sort us out. But actually, sin means that we need major, major surgery. That's what we need. Not just an aspirin, but actually major surgery is required. Because sin is so serious. When you see Jesus cry out in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he hangs on the cross. 
We see that the sin that he's taking upon himself, he's experiencing agony, not just physical agony, though we'll talk about that. But he's experiencing alienation from the Father and the Spirit with whom he has been for all eternity. And as he takes upon himself our sin, the most repugnant, most offensive thing to him. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so in the atonement we can just begin to get a picture of how serious our sin is. Maybe some of you have experienced a degree of alienation. Maybe you've been sidelined by somebody. Maybe you've been separated from somebody and you felt agony. As Jesus cried out those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he took upon himself sin that was so completely opposed to everything that he is. That's serious. Deadly. Serious. And I think that was the main thing, that as Jesus was knelt in the garden, that's what he wanted to be released from. It wasn't the the pain of death, although I can't imagine that he was looking forward to the pain, the physical pain of death, but it was the pain of our sin heaped upon him that we might live. So our sin is serious, but it also, the atonement shows us the depth of God's love for us. Again, in Romans chapter 5, let me just read you a couple of verses. Chapter 5, verse 6, says this, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely, very rarely, I've lost my place, will anyone die for a righteous man? Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What Jesus did in his life and death to earn our salvation shows us the depth of his love. See, if God had just sent another man, or even a prophet, or even an angel, if he'd sent any of those people to sort out our sin, that wouldn't really have shown love in the depth that he needed to show. It'd be like us sending an ambassador abroad to do our work instead of us going abroad to do our work. God showed his love by coming himself to die for our sins. Thirdly, the atonement shows us an example to follow. Lynn read something of that in in 1 Peter. I wonder, in our world today, whether it's in our home or in our workplace, 
whether it's in politics, whether they be national or international, how often does retaliation actually escalate the problem? When somebody does something against us, how often does retaliation actually just crank it up a notch and crank it up a notch and crank it up a notch until the problem is so much bigger than it ever first was? And yet here as we read, Jesus did not retaliate. Jesus taught us on the Sermon on the Mount that we should turn the other cheek. And on the cross he practised what he preached. As he was mocked and spat at before he was nailed to the cross, he practised what he preached. He spoke of coming to serve and not to be served, and he practised what he preached. Margaret read that beautiful piece about Jesus' humility in Philippians 2. Jesus practised what he preached. He challenged the Pharisees and those who were powerful into releasing their power. And he, the creator of the world, practised what he preached. Of course, if if Jesus dying on the cross was simply an example, and that's all it was, and I don't want to diminish that, but if that's all it was, then that's a hard act to follow. Because that's just about being moral, isn't it? That's just about doing what Jesus did, because Jesus was a good person, but Jesus was more than a good person. Because not only did he die to set an example, but he died in our place for our sin. Because sin needed to be paid for, as we read in Romans. As we saw in 1 Peter 2 and in Isaiah 53, God stood in our place like a lamb to the slaughter. He himself bore our sins so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. God needs to deal with sin, and he did so by taking it on himself. Not by venting it on a third party, but because he loves us, by taking it on himself. Fifthly, the atonement shows that new relationships are possible. I guess it starts with that, that word reconciliation, where two parties are in conflict for whatever reason and they are brought together. John Stott spoke of this new relationship that is possible and the reconciliation that is, is brought about. He speaks like this. He says that sin caused a separation between us and God. The cross, the crucifixion of Christ, has brought us back together. Sin made us enemies. The cross has brought peace. Sin created a gulf between us and God. The cross has bridged it. Sin broke our relationship. The cross has restored it. 
nothing we can do, nothing we can do to make that happen. It's a gift from God. And we see how that relationship spreads, not just between God and humankind, but it spreads outwards. We've been looking at the book of Acts before we came to this series and seen how how Jesus and his saving grace spread. And it spread not just through the Jewish population, but to the ends of the earth, from Judea into Samaria and into the ends of the earth. There's new relationships that are possible because of the atonement. And I know that we don't always get relationships right. Between Christians, between Christians and non-Christians, we don't always get things right, and we need to work at that. But relationships are possible in a new way because of the atonement. And the scope, number six, of the interest that, that, that God has, that that reconciliation has, that the effect of the cross, the scope of that, is huge. Don't need to say much about it other than to read Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, which says this, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus. And through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. All things in heaven on earth reconciled by his blood. There's nowhere we can go that is outside the reach of the effects of the cross. Psalmist says in Psalm 139, where can I go where I can be away from you? If I go to the depths of the sea, you are there. If I go to the farthest corner of the earth, you are there. And that is so true with the effect of the atonement. Seventh thing that we see about the atonement is that God suffered And he chose to suffer. Wow! God suffered. That's incredible. I know during World War II that the then queen, we then became very familiar with her as the queen mother, had a huge impact on our country because she stayed in London during the Blitz. And then Buckingham Palace was bombed. And at that point she said, I can now look my people in the eye because I know what they are going through. The fear. The hurt. God suffered when he came and died on the cross. It demonstrates that actually God is far from being distant and out there and irrelevant. But he is totally relevant to us and our suffering. 
whatever that suffering might be, the physical pain of the cross was unimaginable. It was a death by suffocation where you kind of slowly kind of were stretched and stretched and you had to kind of try and push yourself up in order to breathe. And eventually they broke your legs so you couldn't breathe anymore. But it could take hours and days to die. God suffered physical pain. As we already described, he's, he suffered the pain of sin being heaped upon him. He suffered abandonment as, as the sin separated him from all that was familiar. And he experienced the wrath of God. God. God's wrath. It's a poor example, I know. And actually, I only experience potential wrath in this situation. But I tell it just to try and help us understand something of experiencing wrath. When I was in fifth year at school, year 11, I remember I'd hurt myself for some reason, and so I wasn't doing PE. I loved PE, but I wasn't doing PE this particular day. And I was with a mate called Tim, who was also not doing PE that day. And we were supposed to go to the dining room to do some work. And we thought, blow that. We'll go for a little walk. We'll go for a little smoke. And so off we went, out of school. And there was a little scout hut just beside the school. On the other side of the road from the school, there's a little scout hut. And so we settled ourselves down for the PE lesson, and we were there. Who should come along? Brad would be amused by this, but a school's inspector drives along in his car, coming to see our head teacher, and he sees these two oiks stood outside of school, having a crafty fag, and he pulls up in his car, and we think, aye, aye. And the first thing he says to us, were you about to break into this? No, 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 we weren't about to break into it. What are you doing out of school then? And he gets out some kind of ID that he had with him, inspector of schools. And it's like, oh, no. Come on, boys. Let's go and see the headmaster. Now, my headmaster was a big man. I, I remember him because of his robes, his kind of black flowing robes. And he had big hair that was all slicked back, and it was a bit dandruffy, to be honest. But it was, he was just a big man. And on his desk was his cane. And as we walked in to the headmaster's office... And the headmaster was told the story by a school's inspector that two of his boys were out of school smoking. What was he going to do about it? He looked at us. And I felt the coming wrath of the cane. But I also felt the coming wrath of my parents. Because I knew that that would also not be pretty. And that headmaster played a blinder. Because after about 20 minutes of making us wriggle and squirm, the bell went for the end of the day. And he just said to us, boys, on you go home. I'll deal with you tomorrow. I had a great night's sleep. As I imagined the wrath that was going to be poured out on my backside, and then the wrath that was going to be poured out as my parents were ashamed that their youngest son 
had embarrassed them in that way. That was punishment enough. And he was brilliant because he did nothing the next morning. He said, I think you've learned your lesson, boys. The potential wrath was enough. God experienced wrath as he died on the cross. Three quick things. The atonement shows us that God sides with us. It's a little bit like the understanding of our suffering. But God stands with us in our sinfulness because he took it upon the cross. But you know, he also stands with us in our sinned againstness because he experienced the injustice. How many of us have experienced injustice? God stands with us. He's on our side wherever we stand in a situation whether we have sinned or if we've been sinned against. God is there and wants to stand with us. The atonement, ninthly, doesn't force belief on anyone. Doesn't need to. Our society is so suspicious, isn't it, of truth? Because we hear on, on our site, I was watching Outnumbered, that sitcom the other night, and it was just kind of all over that. You know, one person's truth is another person's truth, and, and maybe they aren't the same truth, but you know, you, you, you can't have an absolute truth. Our society has become so suspicious of people imposing truth. Take a look at communism. Take a look at fascism. Even take a look at Christendom. Where we ended up with gulags and Auschwitz. We even ended up with the Crusades and the Inquisitions. That wasn't what God intended. Because when he came and he died, he gave us freedom to choose. Freedom to choose whether to turn to him or to ignore his being nailed on a cross. See, the truth of Jesus, that no man comes to the Father except through me, that is the truth. But it's safe because Jesus holds it in scarred hands. He took the initiative. And anyone who follows him is not perfect. In fact, anyone who turns to him says, I need your help because I am not perfect. I need your help because you died for me and I mess up. Jesus said that he came for the sick, not for the well. Because those that are sick recognise they need to go to a doctor to get help. He doesn't force belief. Doesn't mean to say that there isn't a choice to be made. But he doesn't force belief. And finally, all of this requires a response. The atonement requires 
a response, but it's not a forced one. It's not holding a stick over you and saying, you will believe what everyone else believes. But if Jesus died, creator of the universe died for my sin, I do need to respond. I either need to reject it or I need to turn in repentance. I need to turn away from my selfishness back to who God wants me to be. It's not our effort, our trying to be good that that earns us favour with God. But we do need to respond. We need to respond in faith to allow the work of the cross to be effective in our lives. We need to respond in baptism, confirming and sealing that which Jesus did for us. We need to respond as we gather to break bread together. To remember what Jesus did on the cross so that our lives can be shaped and moulded by the power of the Holy Spirit by what Jesus did on the cross. The atonement. People have written hundreds and thousands of books and pages and pages of ink have been spilt on the atonement. I hope that I've been able to do a little bit of justice to it today. 